You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, today on Ladies of Liberty, we are sounding off on persecutions and prosecutions of our police officers when there are cases that they really should never be prosecuted for. And with me today to talk about one of those cases, which is a case of Officer Derek Wiley, which happened in Dallas, Texas, is Kathy Lothorpe, who is one of our Ladies of Liberty, but she also was the defense attorney on this case. And also with us today, we have Officer Wiley's wife, Megan Wiley. Kathy, I'm going to turn this over to you to let people understand exactly what happened in this case and what the details were so you can set the table. Thank you, Linda. And hello, Megan. This is an event that I know Megan and I both will never forget the rest of our lives. As a defense attorney, a lot of cases mean a lot to us. Some come and go in our minds, but this one had the biggest impact in my career. Um, I was at home one evening, just about to eat dinner, and I got a call from the organization that is called CLEAT, and they are basically providing services to any and all their members of police officers throughout our state and elsewhere. And one of the benefits they offer is legal representation. And it just so happens back on November 8th of 2017, Officer Derek Wiley was in need of a cleat, contacted cleat and needed a lawyer to come to a crime scene. And I was available. I remember having to drive out to uh, Mesquite, Texas. And that's one of the suburbs of Dallas County. I remember getting there and the crime scene and all the officers and all the lights were in play. But let me go ahead and, and set the setting a little bit. It was one of our first coldest days of the year. And that's important because it was only 40 degrees. It had been raining off and on and it might've been misty drizzly at the point of my arrival. And when I got there, I was paired up with Officer Wiley and Officer Wiley and I consulted overlooking the crime scene of what happened. So let me tell you what happened based on that story as I know it now and actually was told from the beginning. But Officer Wiley was called to some sort of interference or need of a motorist that was in a parking lot of a business. It was after hours and the owners of the business noticed a vehicle parked in their parking lot. All the employees were gone at this point in time, but what caught their attention was the alarm on this vehicle kept going off and on and off and on. And so one of the owners decided to come out and was on his way home, but would swing by and see what was going on with this motorist. The vehicle was parked in the parking lot and when he got the owner got in his vehicle drove alongside of them to see if he needed help and it was very 
strange and suspicious because the person in the car, and this was a truck, and there was a male in his 30s, a black male. He had no shirt on. That's strange for 40-degree weather. He also observed this man get out of the car, walk around the car, put his shirt on, take his shirt off. It was just odd behavior that the owner of this business noticed. So he called into the office where his partner was and asked him to call 911. And they, between the three of them, 911 and the two owners, they were conveying what was being observed. And Officer Wiley was one of the officers that was called to go there. Now, originally there was some other officers and because of the location and the distance, Officer Wiley called off the other officer that was going there and thought, this is just a stranded motorist. Let me check it out and if I need backup, I will. Now you have to understand Mesquite uh, Police Department rides solo. So when you need backup, you are summoning another vehicle. Due to a lot of mix-ups with dispatch and everything else, the reason for the call, Officer Wiley pulled into this parking lot and had his spotlight on the vehicle to see what was going on. And noticing that it was the only vehicle, he also noticed off to the side was the owner. So knowing the description of the vehicle, he pulled up behind this pickup truck. Um, Officer Wiley observed what we call furtive movements. These are things that officers do not want to see upon arrival. And so it's very safe for people to, when an officer lights you up and says pull over, it's a good idea to keep your hands available for them to see and show that you are cooperating. Well, this person in the vehicle did not do that. He was bending over, doing things as if, did he have a gun? Did he have illegal contraband? These are the things that Officer Wiley was formulating in his mind that something's not right on this call. This man in the vehicle, he didn't have a shirt. Again, 40 degrees. When he walked up alongside of the vehicle, he pulled out his weapon because of the activity. Now, let me just tell you this. Before going up to the vehicle, he did try to get back up because now that the hairs on the back of the neck were standing up. Something's not right. Let me get that back up here. But unfortunately, due to a new system that was in this department, the line was busy of all things. He couldn't get dispatch. He couldn't get the 911 person on the phone. So being alone in the dark and, you know, with the suspicion that he was seeing, he pulled out his weapon alongside and walked up like you would on any other officer would do on a traffic stop. He walked along the side, carefully trying to observe into the vehicle, observing this man doing something in the front seat that was out of order. He asked him to step out of the vehicle and to no avail, he was not complying. So he got way more nervous and he backed up and out to put himself in a better position in case this man was reaching for a gun. Now, guys, this is 2017, and officers are being shot regularly. They're being ambushed. And all these things are always in an officer's mind. So the way he came out and started putting his, his loud voice on, get out of the car, 
get out now. He was ordering the suspect to get out of the car with his hands up. Eventually, the suspect did. And when he got out, not completely complying, he was ordered to the ground, still not complying. When he got down, he was leaning on one side instead of flat. And officer was wondering, is there a gun in his waistband? And he needed to just search him so he could find out what is this person doing in this parking lot with the emergency um, alarms going off and try to find out what was happening. But for the officer's safety and totally uh, legit in, in reasoning, he wanted this man to get down on the ground so he could pat him down. Well, when he finally got complete compliance, officer went ahead, straddled him, holstered his gun, put the flashlight down and asked the man to put his hands behind the back. All he was going to do was cuff him, get him up, pat him down, and then go from there to see if there was something going on. But the man didn't stop there. When he put the gun up in the flashlight and started to reach for the cuffs, the man flipped around and fought the officer face to face. When that happened, now Officer Wiley is a very strong buffed guy. He was, I believe, uh, Megan, wasn't he a football player in college? Yes, he was a football player. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so you can imagine the body physique on the officer. The person that was on the ground was like, if 155, he was um, very um, skinny, um, very non-built uh, as, as far as a guy. He was very stringy looking. And the uh, and he, when the, the guy, the suspect turned around and looked at him, officer put both hands on his chest trying to hold him. Now, Officer Wiley noticed he was sweaty. Now that's weird in 40 degree weather. And he had a hard time holding him. But what was even stranger was, next thing you know, the suspect was able to uh, get away from Officer Wiley by struggling with him, got up, and went in the position he got up, later became in question. Now, according to Officer Wiley at that moment said he appeared to have a gun. Well, the reason why this went further was it turned out there was no gun. Now, I don't want to completely take the surprise out of it, but I think it's important to know that he did not have a gun, but he came into the position of having one. And thank God for body cams. Thank God for in-car videos. And thank God for business surveillance tapes. But even with all that, they believed that Officer Wiley shot a man in the back running away. And that's why he found himself eventually under arrest. Um, and so hence the story started there. The truth of the matter was he wasn't running. He was in a confrontational armed position of having a gun. The, the lights were out in the parking lot. It was very dark. There was mist or fog like uh, from the exhaust of the vehicles that were in between the officer and the visual of the suspect. Also officer spotlight and, and headlights were in the officer's eyes at the time he observed the man standing up in this confrontational position. 
Officer Wiley knew he had no time to react. He pulled out his, his weapon and he shot two times, just like he's trained to do. The suspect went down. He is alive. He is fine today. And Officer Wiley, Wiley later was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. So that's the basis of the initial story. And uh, from there, they, um, you know, we went through these procedures of uh, internal affairs where Officer Wiley had to come in and talk. The detective um, gave us a day or two before asking us to come on in and see if we wanted to give a story. One of the rights that this department had was to allow Officer Wiley to look at his own videos. Now, when I'm looking at everything that night with Officer Wiley and he's telling me it was self-defense, all of the other officers, the detective investigators, the sergeant of, that was on call that evening that handled the crime scene approached us and said, the man was shot in the back. And I told Officer Wiley, we will not talk this evening um, until we learn more. And so from that day until we were able to see the videos, at that point of time of watching it, I believe the video confirmed Officer Wiley's story and I allowed him to give a play-by-play -play of what took place that evening alongside of the video so he could point things out on what was happening. So that's basically how the story started. But yet there was a district attorney that was just set on prosecuting this officer. Is that right, Kathy? Oh my God, it wasn't just the district attorney. First of all, let me set that setting. Um, this case actually went to two trials. The first one was uh, a, a um, eight to four. And so uh, they, there was no verdict and we had to retry it with a different set of jurors. And we had a different set of district attorneys. So here's what happened. The Black Lives Matter folks, and I won't name names, but if you Google this case, you probably would find out of a very active uh, guy that seems to get all the cases around this area and everywhere around the states for that matter. And he loves to stir trouble. Uh, he basically threatened the district attorney at the time with her votes. If she didn't indict him, and this went to indictment in just, what was it, Megan, a couple weeks at best from the time he was arrested? I think it was three weeks since the shooting. And, and since then, there's been even faster. And normally back then, it takes up to three months to get a case like this to a grand jury. He was indicted. With and fired, wasn't he, Kathy? Well, he was fired because he would not quit. He knew he was not guilty and he refused to quit. And so they fired him. And he was ordered to, um, you know, to step down uh, by the captain. Now, which is really strange. Um, the whole department was supporting him, but the captain fired him. And this Black Lives Matter advocate was on the news misrepresenting the truth of what was going on. He didn't know. I don't think he knew in the beginning that this officer wasn't white. He was black, just like the suspect. But later he learned it. Later, later he learned it. And I guess it didn't matter because it still was black against blue. 
But in the beginning, I believe he thought he was a white officer shooting a black suspect, you know, and making that outcry to the public with news media and a lot of social media and the threats to the district attorney. If you don't indict this case, you weren't going to get the black votes. I have social media proof of that. And so guess what? This case got there so fast, the detectives, and I didn't learn this really, didn't really digest this whole thing till later in the second trial, but they didn't even care. The prosecutors did not even care. And they're called the integrity group, which is kind of uh, oxymoron. But they didn't learn till later that, uh, I didn't learn till later that they didn't even have the detective finish his uh, investigation. Now, I will tell you, this was a really strange situation for all because it's one of them, but yet they had to do their job. And I will tell you, I believe the detective did his job. I believe everyone tried to do the job because if it showed the innocence, then it came from doing a good job of investigating. And I'm sure all they wanted was the truth. Um, Officer Wiley was well-liked in his department. He was a veteran of 10 years at the time this happened. And this personality, I, again, he has grown on me as a friend and, he's grown, and he grew on his department and anyone that knows him likes uh, Derek Wiley, Officer Derek Wiley. So this was out of character for any use of force. And again, all he wanted to do was to make sure his safety was intact, that he can go home to family and friends uh, at the end of the evening. And that's a big deal, again, not only today, but back in 2017. So Officer Wiley was fired in a very quick manner, and then the prosecution of him began. But when we have an officer that is prosecuted, especially falsely prosecuted, it doesn't just affect that officer. It affects his family. It affects his wife. It affects his children. It affects his parents. It affects his brothers and sisters. So I want to talk more about those effects that happen when we come back with Megan Wiley. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, 
Android or Alexa. Fellow Americans, our mission here at AmericaOutloud.com is clear. We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, we're back with Kathy Lothorpe and with Megan Wiley, and we're talking about the case of Officer Derek Wiley who was prosecuted for shooting a suspect, uh, allegedly shooting him in the back as he was running, which we now know was not the truth. Megan, at the time that this happened with your now husband, you weren't even married yet, is that right? That's correct. Um, We were engaged, uh, we got engaged um in february of 2017 and set the wedding date um for november 11th of 2017 and this happened on november 8th the shooting was november 8th yes Mm -hmm. so that put a bit of a crimp in your wedding i would think that yes it did (laughs) what Um, happened so um that night um well First of all, I'll just kind of start out the story that my daughter, um, Eris, was sick. Um, and so Derek had stayed home from work to be home with her um, during the day while I was at work. Um, and so he was contemplating on even going in um, to work that night um, and just calling off the whole night. But instead, when he talked to his supervisor, decided to that he'd go in um so he dropped my daughter off at my parents house and he went into work and so when I got off from work I went over to my parents house and stayed over there for a little bit um and then as I was driving I picked my daughter up and as I was driving or leaving my parents driveway I got his call um you know, and I just thought it was a regular call, you know, I answered the call, hey, you know, hey, babe, what's up? And then first things out of his mouth was, Megan, I've been involved in a shooting, I'm okay, I can't talk about it, but let my, um, my mom and my brother know. And so, oh, I don't want to start crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Oh. So, and, and Derek has a brother, a twin brother, who is also a police officer. That's correct. Yeah. He's in, um, he was working. He, I think he was, a. Oh, I can't remember what he was back then. I know he's been, he's been promoted since, but he's been, he's been working for the DPS. Okay. Uh, so you got the call. I got the call and immediately like my heart dropped it, it dropped. I can't even explain, um, 
what was going through my mind. I, I think at that point it was just a bunch of, I was, I had so many questions, but my mind couldn't think clearly. Um, and I couldn't talk to him. And, and so I had to let his brother know and his mom know they had questions and they were asking me questions. I had no idea because I couldn't talk to him. Um, and so it was just a very, very stressful evening. I went home. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, you know, I had my daughter with me and I was crying and, um, it, it was not something that I wanted my daughter to see. Um, but what can you do? You know, she's, she's there experiencing it and I'm there, you know? Right. So, uh, but I had, I liked the way the department handled it. Um, they, they had, a. I can't remember what they're called, but they're like a shooting, a shoot buddy, um, yes, shoot buddy, shoot buddy, um, who was keeping in contact w- with me and, um, he couldn't talk about it either, but he was just comforting me and offered his, um, his wife's number. Um, so, you know, we could talk to each other and she, she, I was in contact with her throughout the night. And, um, so it was, there was a lot of support that evening from the police department. So police officers become like family to one another. They're, they're in the street all the time together They're They've got each other's back They're uh, you know, they're in life and death situations. So these people become like family and to have a shoot buddy like that must've been very, very important for you. It was, it was very, very helpful. Um, the shoot buddy was also there for Derek. And when I arrived, they put him in the car with the shoot buddies to also keep him calm. So they were doing a multiple task, which is, you know, a very positive thing that the department does. Right. Yeah. And so, then what happened after that, Megan? Um, I, I just remember knowing I had this gut feeling that this was going to be on the news and I was just, you know, um, very, um, consumed with stress and anxiety, um, because I knew how the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I didn't know at that time if the, you know, if he had been involved in a shooting with a african-american or not um but i know how controversial police shootings are in the media so i knew this was going to be on the news you know i just didn't know how how um out of control it was going to get (laughs) did you see it Um, on the news the next day the next morning it was on the news yes and um, when, when the news reported it, what, did it report what you knew to be true or you didn't have any idea yet? Um, it, Derek had come home at that time. And so or he came home later that night, um, the night the shooting happened. And I, he did tell me a little bit, but not in detail um, because he was instructed not to, to, to talk to anybody. Um, 
And so um, what they did put on the news was basically what I was told by him. So it wasn't anything like anything new or they were exaggerating the story or anything because at that point it would there was the details weren't very known and they just said it was you know a, a black man was um shot uh what did they say kathy that the black it was a black um male that was shot um because they're they were in suspect, they were a suspect of um, stealing a vehicle, but it ended up being their vehicle. Right. The story um, got twisted somehow to a, yeah. yeah, to that it was a theft call, but it turns out it was owned as if it was a blunder by the police department. Right. Um, but I, I didn't know the specifics or what um, Derek had, you know, what he knew at the time. Um, so the media knew basically as much as I did um except for I I knew that Derek didn't know that his car was not his car or his car was he didn't know that he he suspected that the car was stolen basically and and then when did you find out that Derek was actually going to be prosecuted for this um that's a good question I I thought it was three weeks after the shooting, but I think it was, he was fired three weeks after the shooting and then he was indicted in December. Which um, wasn't very long after the shooting. Right. Um, We were, we were expecting it to be much longer and there was to be a very, you know, a thorough investigation first. Um, But they ended up indicting him, which is actually, it adds to the stress and anxiety because the day he was indicted was the day we found out we were expecting a child, our first child together. Um, so that put a lot more stress on both of us. Uh, so then you went through the first trial and during that time, you had gotten married and you were expecting your first baby. Right. Yeah. So um, the, the first trial um, I went through the whole um, investigate, I, you know, he was going through his, his um, investigation, I guess, investigations with Kathy um, up, up until the trial. Um, But I had, given birth um on august 2nd which i think the first trial started in september am i right kathy sounds reasonable yeah it was in september um so it was and how long how long was that trial over a week i think it was two two weeks maybe it was definitely a week and a half uh ish it took, yes, with the, and then the jurors deliberating. And then the second trial started when? Approximately. It was in July of 2019. Um, all, I, all, all I remember is him getting um, exonerated. 
the day after my birthday, which was July 22nd. And so I think it wasn't a full week, was it, Kathy? The, the second trial, I think it lasted maybe about a week. Yeah, about a week, not, not quite as long as the other, and the deliberation didn't take quite as long. So maybe like July 14th-ish. Megan, between the first trial and the second trial, what was Derek doing? I mean, how, how was that, that time frame? You must be on pins and needles because you now have another trial coming up, yet you've got two small children now and you're trying to live your life. What, what was that like? It, let me just start off by saying that nobody or nothing can prepare you for this kind of stress and anxiety. Um, as a wife and watching Derek go through all of his emotions and PTSD, you know, um, it's very stressful because you really, you want to be there for them. You want to comfort them. You want, all you want to do is make things better, but you have no control. Um, you have no control. And um, seeing him going through the emotions of it all, which, you know, I couldn't even fathom still as his wife, I, I couldn't fathom what he was going. I, I couldn't understand it to the extent that he was going through it, but I saw it, you know, he was facing up to life in prison. So that yeah. had to be on your mind with ch now having his, his new baby and your other small child. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was hard. It was, it was very, very hard. And with, with the media and how, you know, the publicity of it all with the death threats that he would get on social media. And, you know, the, it, it wasn't just anxiety that had to do with him going through it. We were also getting, you know, death threats, um, worrying about our safety, our children's safety, um, even at work. From whom did you get death threats? Um, it was the Black Lives Matter movement, the people that were a part of it. Okay. Yeah. Linda, this was so political. This was not just your normal case. It was so, so political from the district attorney's office, including the new DA, who I was hoping would look at the first case and realize, you know, that Derek was innocent. The evidence from the first trial shows it. The DA allowed me to make a presentation to him about that to catch him up on it. And his last question to me was, have you ever not been in a case that was political before? It was so clear that they were going to do it. They were going to go after Derek. He was a scapegoat to whatever was going on in our society right now with the Black Lives Movement and the pressures that was that was banging on the DA's office, the police, the chief's office, the mayor's office, whoever the higher powers were, that these groups could have that much of a political influence to go after such a nice guy. Megan, tell, the, tell Linda about how the, uh, even though they were going after him, how the police department was still trying to support you in some ways. They were amazing. The police department, I mean, they, they showed us so much support and 
um, especially with us being pregnant at the time, um, they sent us diapers and wipes. Like we, we had so many things for our baby from them. Um, they also, you know, called me, um, and they were always calling Derek. Uh, they, they came over to the house and they just were so supportive and had so many positive things to say. They, it, it was, they knew that he, he had, he was justified, um, in this shooting. And I, I, I also want to stress to the point where let, let me start it this way. When I first met Derek, I was very hesitant to even date a police officer. Um, but he showed me his heart. He showed me how good of a person he was. Um, but I remember asking Derek, um, have you ever shot anyone before? And this was before, you know, this was way before the shooting. He was still a police officer. Um, and his exact words to, to me were, no, and I hope I never have to. Um, the DA during the trial was making him out to be this trigger happy, you know, uh, police officer who just wants to go around shooting people. That's not how police officers, they, they don't want to, they, they, they don't want that to even be an option. They, if, they, if it does happen, it is because they're afraid of their life. But um, anyway, like I said, I mean, Derek, he showed me his heart. He's a good man. And the police department knew it. They knew it, how good of a person he was and that he was being treated wrongly by the media, by, by the, um, the DA's office and every, everybody else. So it must be very discouraging to, to know what you know about a person and Kathy for you to have seen all the videos and to understand, especially during the second trial, because you brought in uh, Dr. Ron Martinelli, who full disclosure is my husband uh, as an expert. And I think that they were able to give even more clarity to those videos. So you know that this man is innocent, but yet, to see these people continue to prosecute an innocent officer just has to be beyond discouraging. It was hell. It was, it was hell. Um, when you know that the person that they're depicting on television is not the person who you're married to, you know, who, you know, who you love. Um, it was all a lie. It's, it was a lie on television. They just, it, and they kept pushing and they were just really trying to destroy his, his character. Um, it was, it was just, it was really hard because I, you know, I had to go to work every day. Um, I couldn't talk about it at work, but you know, I knew everybody knew. So it, so they had a perception of my husband that wasn't right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was really hard. Yep. Well, I want to talk more about the media and what their representations of the case were when we come back. 
Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. Welcome back. And we were talking about, in the case of Officer Derek Wiley, about the media and how the media misrepresented the facts of this case to the public. And we see that over and over and over again. And I would say it's far more often than not that the media does misrepresent facts of police officer involved shootings. In the courtroom, there were people that attended both trials religiously. And there were people that actually saw the testimony day after day. And they saw what the media that was in that same courtroom with them reported. And it was not what happened in the courtroom. And people in those courtrooms that were there observing were very, very frustrated. And we had a courtroom observer that was going to join us today, but could not join us today due to some pressures in their employment about coming on and saying what they saw. But I'm gonna tell you what this person wrote to me and I'm reading it verbatim. What the media portrayed was not at all what happened. The media also didn't mention the many laws that Jones broke that night, charges that were dropped. No one was talking about how he assaulted Officer Wiley and even attempted to take his gun. All we heard from the media was that Officer Wiley shot Jones in the back, which was proven not to be fact during the trial. How much money did these two trials cost? Jones needs to go to rehab. How many times has he been arrested? I sat and listened to Jones struggle to even remember where he went to high school or information a typical person can recall. He forgot to pick up his own baby from daycare that day because he made the choice to use drugs, even admitting he did so while driving. People in the courtroom were laughing at him. I remember feeling like I was watching a sitcom but then looking at Officer Wiley and realizing the life of this man was on the line. I can only imagine what he and his family went through after watching media coverage for almost two years, then sitting through the second trial, I will always be skeptical of media coverage of situations involving police officers. From the night that this happened uh, and the media coverage of it, it, it all changed whenever um, the Black Lives Matter attorneys came into the picture. That is when 
it it went south from there. And Kathy, I think you can probably um, add to that. <laughs> you know what's frustrating as a defense attorney? We are bound by professional code of ethics in the state of Texas to not talk about our cases. Had any of the media got in my face and misrepresented the facts, I would have been able to set them straight. But all they did was make phone calls and I couldn't return their calls because I didn't want to lose my license. So how frustrating it was to go through this whole time watching all of the media's, you know, social media, news media, radio media, TV media, and not be able to say that's wrong. And so what that did was basically uh, serve to pollute our juror pool. And, you know, with that, it would make it way harder to find jurors that still had respect for police officers. Officer Wiley's case wasn't the only shooting in that era of time in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and, and, and connecting counties. There were quite a few shootings and they all got attention and they all got attention from the same Black Lives Matter representative and the filth that came out of them about it, um, you know, it was just appalling and I couldn't do nothing about it, but wait for our day in court. That had to be extremely frustrating. What was the difference, Kathy? that you saw between trial one and trial two, what made the difference that Officer Wiley was then acquitted in the second trial? Well, I knew number one, I had to do something different, a little bit different to, so that the DA wouldn't be ready for me after seeing what I did to them the first one. Recall what I said earlier, we won eight to four hung jury in our favor. So I knew we had quite a few people, but we were dealing with a very liberal city, Dallas County, and police officers in that county are not their favorite folks. So I said to myself, what can I do differently to have a greater impact to put this district attorney's office in their place? And a couple things I chose to do. Number one, I did hire your husband, Ron, Dr. Ron Martinelli, a criminal forensic uh, expert. And I was very impressed with him. It took a little bit. He's not a cheap person to obtain. But <laughs> thanks to Cleet, they were able to financially give it to me. The second thing I had to do was dig a little bit deeper. What else can I do different? And so we did lighten up the videos. We had originally slowed them down. Let me explain this. This is so key. They misrepresented this in the first trial. They created a picture of the victim running and then causing the shooting in the back, trying to get away from Officer Wiley. And when we slowed the body cam down, and remember the body cam is right on Officer Wiley's chest. It's just inches below, you know, a foot at best below his eyes, what Officer Wiley was seeing. So we slowed the frame down one at a time where we could look at it. And we used that in the first to show. If we could see Officer Wiley's arms outstretched in front of him, holding his uh, revolver, his, his uh, a duty weapon, and we could see the slide on his gun go back, 
That means the, the seconds before is when Officer Wiley made the decision to shoot. At that point, the frame showed that the suspect was facing him in a confrontational and holding his hand out as if he had a gun in his hand. Okay, but now trial two, we lit it up even more. Officer Wiley could not figure out why this lanky guy who was on drugs, uh, and I thought, oh, it had to be PCP or something like that, that someone gets this energy. But we finally came to the, to the reason why this guy was able to break the hold of Officer Wiley. What happened was that he tried to reach for Officer Wiley holstered duty weapon when Officer Wiley was trying to hold him on his chest. Officer Wiley, just being a good officer, trained properly, just subconsciously turned his hip outward to keep him from being able to reach the gun in his duty holster. Oh, I get that, yes. Okay, in order when you do that, he had to release one hand off the body to shift his right side backwards. And when he did it, all he had was his left hand on his chest. And that's how the suspect was going to do it. Now we learned something even more key. What I learned in between the two trials while I was just taking a random legal education course, guess who shows up at this particular course? The lady that created a picture for the district attorney's office showing the suspect running when he shot him. So I approached her telling her, you know, we were hung jury on that case. She said, yeah, I heard. I said, you know, after I showed you the videos that he wasn't running, she said, well, the district attorney's office told me to do it when you see the flash in the it was a tree in the background that was very dark and you could see the gunpowder flash in the distance. And um, that by then was way before, you know, seconds is, is a long time in a shooting that the office, he had already turned his body. And so it made it look like he was running and the district attorney's office had to know that. And for them to tell him to do it, her to do that specific frame only tells me they had the intent to misrepresent the truth. Because once we had the photos of where it should have been, you would have seen that that didn't happen on that frame, but that he was in a confrontational position with his arm, right arm, facing Officer Wiley, his hand out like he was holding a gun. Well, and knowing Dr. Ron, he would have talked about action, oh reaction, God. lag time. Absolutely. And that came to play in our second trial. And we, I'm sorry, we kicked tiny. <laughs> there was a lot of information that I think helped us a lot in the second trial that wasn't um, present in the first trial. Um, and mm -hmm. one of the, the main things that I can remember was um, the fact that Dr. Martinelli uh, had had um discovered the reaching of the handgun whenever jones was reaching for mm -hmm. his handgun and then kathy played a, a clip from the interview with jones where jones even admits i think i might have tried to grab his gun mm -hmm. and that that was huge for me and it wasn't mentioned in the first trial but i think that was that was huge in the second trial 
Let me tell you something else that was huge between the two trials. It was very awkward trying to talk to the Mesquite Police Department, the key players, the patrol officers, the detective, you know, the people that investigated because there they, they wanted to keep their job and no one really was sure up to that first trial where they would stand if they didn't defend the prosecutors uh, versus defending Derek Wiley. It was very awkward talking to them. By the time we got to the second trial, you know, I had the detective make it more clear. He told me to look at his handwritten notes. And then, and initially I figured what was in his notes would go into the police report. But when I studied it better and I was just trying to read his writing. And when I really clearly took the time to read his cursive writing, I realized the DA's office was trying to push this case through and didn't matter what the detective's opinion was. And the detective's opinion at that time was that it was a lawful shooting. And so that was key in the second trial that I was able now to cross-examine the detective and go through what was really happened on the district attorney's, you know, position of kind of manhandling the case, taking it away from the investigation and presenting it in the way they wanted to do it. Another interesting that ha thing that happened that we did use on both though, the district attorney's office hired an expert like we would do. And this expert looked at the gun shooting and said, it was a lawful shooting, lawful use of force. And you know what? Of course, they didn't want him anymore. So they, and because of Brady, a law that requires them to tell me about that um, or lose their law licenses, they had to tell me that their expert said that. So that expert became my expert and they went out of state to Colorado, hired someone for money to say the opposite. And so they knew it was lawful, but they were still pushing it, which goes back to the media to the Black Lives Matter, trying to make a good story of riling up racial tension in our community. And in the meantime, you have an officer who, from the moment he fired that service weapon, was innocent and has been through over a year of trials, losing his job, uh, getting married, having a new baby, this, I, the stress level has to be crazy. There's one other twist to this case that I want to mention. Officer Wiley is a black police officer and Megan Wiley is not a black woman. She's a white woman. And the jurors in the trial, the second trial, could see who was coming in out of court every day. They can put two and two together and figure out who these, this officer's wife was, who's there to support him. His mother was there. His brother was there. His brother's wife was there. Obviously his brother is also a black man, but he also was married to a white woman. So Kathy, when the jury was deliber deliberating in trial two, what happened that was so outrageous? I know I'm very insulted about it. I'm sure that Megan is. What happened? Well, we got back 
finally, um, right after lunch, they deliberated all morning. And right after lunch, matter of fact, we were called from our lunch hour, the jurors have a decision. So we dropped everything, ran back to court. And when we finally, the judge finally got there and we all were there and we heard the not guilty, um, we are allowed to go talk to the jurors afterward. And even after talking as a group, some of the jurors, a particular juror lagged behind um, to tell me what was going on. And she said that everyone uh, except for two black jurors, the only two black female jurors on there were the only ones that were against the not guilty. They wanted to find guilty. But the reason why they were upset was and wanted to go guilty, and they were very clear about it, is that when Officer Wiley testified, his mom got emotional, started to cry. So she got up to step out of the courtroom. And that's when Megan apparently accompanied her out there to console with her. And when they, when they did that, the jurors put it together that the wife was white. And because of that, they did not like that he had a white wife. And that's why they wanted to, they were the only holdouts that morning until finally they gave up. And they also said, all right, not guilty. And so how scary is that? I mean, that's extremely scary with a man facing life in prison that you don't like the fact that he's married to a white woman, that you would be willing to put that man in prison. Um, thank God that things went the way that they were supposed to go. And Megan, I have met you and Kathy, I have met you. You are two strong and brave women for going through this and for seeing it through. And Officer Wiley is just as you describe him, Megan, he's, he's just the, the nicest man. And, you know, I really appreciate you both sharing this story with all of us, because I think it's important to see the effects that prosecuting and persecuting our police officers is never the right thing to do. But it's not just those people, it's all of the people around them that are affected as well. And uh, I want to thank both of you for the time and for, for sharing this story with, you know, all of America. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, I also just real quick want to add that even through all of this, I mean, we're still going through a lot of, um, it, it just doesn't end there at the, you know, it's, it's been very stressful. Um, and it's a daily part of our lives. It, it just, it's an ongoing process. So, but I really appreciate the opportunity for being able to do this with you, Linda and Kathy. Yep. And Kathy, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And I'm just glad it worked out. Um, justice was served in this case. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. <laughs>